0: Namo tasa bhagavato rahato sammasambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato rahato sammasambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato rahato sammasambuddhasa Uttam dhammamsamkhang namasami To the um, foundations or, of meditation, or the primary focuses of meditation, of, say a, one is the sense of just bringing your attention to the present moment on the breath, or the body, or the mantra, or the sensation, or even the, the thought. So it's that quality of, of deliberately holding or attending this provides the sense of steadiness and calm it's also a very revealing um, focus bringing yourself into the present you see how much energy is moving around trying to make something happen in the future trying to be good at it trying to arrive somewhere trying to forget something so, within meditation, or even the distractions from it, trying to figure out what to do tomorrow, what it should have said yesterday. So, it's very revealing to see just how much of the mental currents are about future and past ought, should, wouldn't, how can I, that stuff. And if when we're bringing ourselves in the present moment, we're not. To kind of stop following those things and you see how much there is there and the anxiety or the anger or the grief or the distress that's that's underneath those tides hunger for something to fill ourselves up with the wishing for things to be complete or certain or tied up and neat and sorted out you know, so we can feel quite and the raggedness of the, that can be around the what comes up in the present moment. You're really are you tuning to the way the conditioned world is. It's unfinished. It's ragged. It's regretful. It's, it's awkward. It's messy. Promises, entices, asks—you know—it's something that keeps has a tide and a push to it. The other, the other focus one begins to cultivate or comes around through that, bringing yourself into line with the present moment, is the sense of change, impermanence when you attend to bring yourself to the present then whatever's experienced there is shifting all the time sometimes it's repeating itself so it doesn't seem to be shifting because you're just going round and round in circles a vortex of thoughts spinning but we can see it is a moving thing shifting changing that's uh, something that can make us feel very powerless because we can't really hold on we want to hold on, we can't hold on things are like that and meditation itself, if one is using an object such as the breathing, the skill is to learn how to develop that holding to breathing without trying to fix the breath as something that's just, just always one thing, to allow it to shift and change, to feel the shifting perceptions and sensations that occur with it you're feeling the whole flow and, and uh, movement of that when you're doing walking meditation you feel the whole shifting of energies through the body as you move along sense of the the subtle contractions in the body and the releases sometimes things like just visual contact can make you tighten up so loosening your your gaze, keeping your gaze very gentle and loose and unfocused so you, you, you can stay just at that place where things instead of locking onto something or running away from something or getting into something you're just letting things flow flood through and this is quite a helpful means to to when you're meditating if things are getting really difficult just keep keep your eyes open and hold hold the visual field steady without focusing on anything in particular just as if you're looking out over the sea or top of a mountain you just have a sense of very broad view But holding the the gaze gently but steadily, because it's you see how the the movement of the eyes is very much associated with the thinking mind. So if you're thinking a lot, your eyes tend to to flutter around. If you're getting obsessive, your eyes tend to harden up. You're getting caught into something, fixated, and the gaze becomes hard and tense and pointed. So keeping the the visual gaze just soft, light and open and feel the, almost the physical sensations of that around the eyes or the, the the sense of openness with that you can tune to the psychological state and then that gives you quite a good way to, to notice when you're starting to tighten up you want to find something, see something connect to something, protect yourself from something, push something away and you can feel the tightening up and you feel it, it goes right up into the eyes and the head. And then it's you know, almost physically let go. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you're not looking even really at a, a kind of like a, certainly not an ideology, let go as an ideology. You, know, you shouldn't th- feel anything or dismiss everything, int- interpret it ideologically, but just coming out of the lock. And there's a, there's a physical aspect to that. It happens in your eyes, it happens in your chest, it happens in your belly, it happens in your hands. So, wherever you can detect it, just try to sense that. And you know, from here is the way that you, you know, that that's hardness can be allowed to release and be softer. It's important to have that sense of bodily reference because we so assume that the mind is a thinking, only refers to thinking. The mind is embodied. You we know, you could say the whole consciousness, which has got a bodily aspect to it. And uh, if you only consider what we're doing as some kind of head experience or thought experience or attitude experience you don't necessarily get the sense of distance and uh, develop all the skills which the body can give you because the body doesn't have an opinion by itself so you don't have to have an opinion about your opinions or analyze them, understand them or regret them or solve them you just go to a place where they don't. There aren't any, you know. And you can do that, and, and the system, oh, find a place where you you feel one. The body, the system seems to come into true again. Consciousness unwinds, relaxes, and that that issue it changes, shifts, and you begin to see in the shift of thoughts and opinions and fixed positions and so forth. The underlying, as as the topics move and change, as the see the underlying craving for certainty, feeling of insecurity, sadness, or whatever it is, Um, you can allow that to be present and do the same thing with that, releasing that, letting that release itself. So letting go doesn't mean that things don't arise. So some of the awkwardness of it is that, of course, things do arise. And uh, as we let go of the thinking, then the difficulty of that is we come much more into the raw emotional wellspring underneath the thoughts, the frustrations, the loneliness, the lostness, the wanting. Mm. But when we practice to actually begin to acknowledge... And hold that in a a steady, spacious way. This too can unwind. This too can release. When the meditation is going well, the state of samadhi um, accrues, which is when the the, uh, we feel there's a sense of balance and happiness, ease. And uh, as the holding is there, it becomes very strong. And the sense of shifting and changing becomes quite uh, um, agreeable. It's like a softness where nothing really sticks. You feel a sense of radiance, softness, brightness. And that's a very helpful reference because it does uh, give us a, a revelation that... We can experience a sense of completeness and ease and um, steadiness without actually having an idea of what we're doing, or having the future worked out for us, or having our past solved, or, you know, without holding on to anything in particular. Mm. So the things we think we've got to sort out before we do anything, or the things we think We regret about ourselves, and all that can actually e- stop. And you don't actually have to do all that. You don't have to have to have a future. You don't have to have a past. So this gives us gives a very um, helpful um, insight mm. into the benefits of experiencing change in the present moment and staying with that it empties out the content and we come to a fundamental refuge place a place of basic holding being held and this is very uh, important to get that sense because a lot of the time we're not in samadhi but it doesn't mean that the practice of samadhi is irrelevant it means it's, it's provided us with a kind of basic trust practice of samadhi gives us a sense of there is something other than just what I'm doing and being and making and fixing and hope for and don't want and do want there's something other than that Uh, basic trust Mm. and then uh, actually with that then even in in the daily life situations or uh, minds are not uh, gathered together we begin to experience and undo the patterns the behaviour patterns that, co- that create so much negative karma for ourselves this is very important because when we're in the experience of samadhi this is very valuable but it doesn't actually by itself undo the karma the, the habit tendency because at that moment they're suspended we've sh- we shut them off so you shut them off and then you come out of samadhi then of course they, they come up again so that the, the um, um, benefits of samadhi are to get the, the confidence and the understanding and some of the skills of feeling things in the body, allowing things to change, coming to the present moment having trust in bearing with things and then we begin to work on our karmic tendencies uh, our impulses, our behaviour patterns, our reactions, our psychologies, our strategies. Mm. And then, then it's when they're coming up, that's where they can be um, undone, dismantled. As somebody was saying today to me, that coming to the present moment. Was uh, uh, uncomfortable you know, in, in an ordinary situation it's uncomfortable because when we come into the present moment we feel a sense of helplessness you know, there's something I've got to do, something I wish I hadn't done, somebody's done something nasty to me, abusive you know so I'm feeling the sense of shock and distress from that there's various compelling things i've got to get fixed by tomorrow there's all this energy of hurt and shock and drive and do and don't going on and it's very very uncomfortable to be in that so normally of course we we move out of that the way we move out of it is we we just go to doing and and running with the ball if you like so that at least we feel we're doing something positive you know we're, we're going to get on and sort things out and do things And so we get very busy. And in a way it kind of siphons off some of that energy into that that confused, tangled energy gets siphoned off into activities. And you can see how busy people are. Everybody's busy. You know, you can be in a fairly quiet situation, put two human beings in it and it starts to get busy. (laughs) Suddenly there's work to do. There's things to sort out, things to fix, things to remember, things to, you know, and so forth. It gets very busy. Even monasteries get very busy. Places where they make great commitments to, to, um, you know, to calm and so forth. It gets very busy because of karma. Because of karma tendencies. And um, And also the more we come into the present moment the more we come up against those very those tangled energies um, that uh, one way of, of coping with them is to do things rather than to feel the sense of the pushing and the nagging in the mind one thing we do is we we just um, shut it all down or try to shut it or distract ourselves read something talk something eat something, go somewhere see something, so we do that a lot Human beings are often um, doing that, and it makes their lives very complex. We add new layers on top of the original turbulence. We add new layers of turbulence called fun, <laughs> or whatever, you know, so be, human beings have a lot of need to, to occupy themselves with, um, with speculations and possibilities. So it makes it seem, because we're doing this deliberately, it gives us a sense in some way of being in control of it. We're definitely doing it. Another thing we come up with is, when we're in the tangled state, is blaming. We blame ourselves, we blame others. It's a kind of lashing out from the tangle. Know, some sense of, well, you know, this doesn't feel right. Well, it's his fault. It's your fault. It's my fault. It's God's fault. It's my parents' fault. It's somebody's fault. You know, lash out. And that, in a way, again, it's kind of siphons off the energy and makes us feel we're a little bit in. Um, we, we're able to s- be clear and say what's really right and what's really wrong. So we can become quite ideological, um, blame and opinionated this is another thing that happens for us these are kind of pretty standard behaviours we can also fall into a feeling of of depression and uh, hopelessness and that can take us into various addictive, self-destructive habits, drinking, annihilating uh, feeling fed up, useless and so forth depression these are so these these are the kind of ways in which we move away from the incomplete uh, state state of conditioned reality with its awkwardness and its messiness and its tangledness and its jangliness Mm. when it gets very intense then we move away in quite powerful ways into Fear or rage or anger or opinions or distraction or addictive behaviours. These are, you know, we people have different ways of doing that. You know, some people do it drink, some people do it playing chess. It's not, it's beyond morality even. And the important thing is to, for each of us, is to find it. Well, how do I do it? What happens when the stuff comes up for me? What do I do? Yeah. Not to, to blame that or criticize it or hide it, but just because when we see that, then really reviewing the very energy that takes us out. Can I hold that? Can I be aware of that? Can I focus on that very energy of it? The energy of distracting myself, the energy of getting angry, the energy of feeling depressed. Because there is actually if you can hold the sense of present moment and change, then those very energies, instead of crystallizing into blaming or into dumping on yourself, you know, I'm you know, I'm fed up, I'm depressed, or whatever, or or projecting out onto some distraction or another, those very those very kind of Turbulent energies begin to, to if they're not don't fall into behaviours. They don't become final behaviour patterns where you actually act upon them in various ways. Those very disturbing energies begin to um, become places of release if you can hold them. So it's as if the the way that our system finds itself reacting to conditioned realities to the to the to the vulnerability to the uncontrollable quality of it, it starts to come up with something it starts to shake itself around and the habit is in that shaking around in that turbulence we crystallize into certain behaviors if the crystallization can be let go of we don't crystallize, then those very turbulences begin to lead to release. It's rather like um, an experience of of anger, for example. Now, When we act in angry ways, we feel angry, and we act upon that, we start blaming people and shouting, or something like that, or writing nasty letters. Um, Then, of course, this is very unskillful. It's karma. You create karma. And so, very often, when we look at when we review something like anger, we think, "Well, I, I shouldn't. I shouldn't be that way. I should stop being that way. It's it's wrong. It's hurtful. And it is. Um, but but you can also recognise that the very energy of anger is something that it happens to all all creatures. You know, mice sort of rouse themselves. And what is it? It's a kind of tremendous um, rous of energy that protects or establishes. You know, it's, it's the whole system suddenly charges up, you know. and when it when it's not held carefully, then it it leads to action, and the action, or the thinking, or the interpretations of what to do, are what cause the karma to arise, and we act in, in ways that are causes pain and cause others pain but if we can actually just be with that that sudden rush of heat that mm. right, flood through the nervous system and find a way to hold it as it changes then it, it's as if it, what happens, the sense happens, is it kind of rushes, you feel it as a peak, the mind empties out and it reaches a balance and it begins to gently Kind of stabilize and the heat cool, calms by itself mm. so without um, you know, getting rid of it it, it, gets, it releases itself and it's often in that, that process that one begins to see that the, the real obstacle the real thing that I was angry with was not somebody else but something in myself. Some sense of, of fear or, or um, desire. You know, something I wanted, I can't. The wanting created my anger. You know, the wanting something, the needing something, the expecting something, the demanding something, the, you know. And or the, so the, the anger is that sort of begins to clear away that. We find ourselves feeling firm and resolved in the present, but it's only through holding it very precisely and holding it not you know at the level of topics, so as you practice in in relating to these energies that occur in the turbulence that occurs then the there is a bodily aspect to it, an emotional aspect to it, and a conceptual aspect to it. And the conceptual is the is the first thing. We let go of the reasons and the reasons why and the reasons not and the she is and he isn't kind of level of it. And you come to the basic feeling of of being disturbed in some way or another. So there's a kind of an emotional swinging around and you can if you begin to hold that carefully you come into the bodily sense of that it's almost like the lever, of the nervous system but if you hold that carefully then that also that that unravels to just a life force energy which doesn't have any particular opinions um is not it doesn't have um is not angry or anything it's just it's just a raw it's just power, it's just an energy in itself. And that seems to be, that's the place where it all comes back to. That's the place where all these particular and specific phenomena all rise out of that stream, where the ayu-sankara, or the, the very dynamic of life, and they rise up out of that stream and become rather like um, vortexes rising in a stream. And if you... Can get back to the stream just like vortexes they also unravel they come back into a a stream the problem is for most of us is we just get in the vortex and then spin in it so it intensifies it and it becomes something that becomes separate there's me and my problem Hmm. and then the way we we relate to that is is um, we don't let it change. We try to f- we try to change it. We don't let it resolve. We try to fix it. And so these very attempts that sound good, like make it let it you know resolve it, um, fix it, actually get in the way of the thing resolving itself and changing and fixing itself. Meditation presents us with uh, the example of how a sense of control which is not personal control. It's a sense of collection when I'm not controlling it but there is a restraint. There is a sense of being held in a quality of restraint rather than controlling from some personal or ego-bound attitude. It's a sense of, you know, keeping things in the body, keeping things in the present, um, relaxing the tendencies to act, react, suppress, proliferate, analyze. Mm. This is the so this is it's it's controlled to that extent. It's about curtailing the ways in which we normally. uh, reactive phenomena and try to deal with them. This is the learning of meditation. Mm. Through that when you you come into the the, the turbulence where you're experiencing the the conditioned realities as they are, then instead of the, the fear empties out into openness the anger empties out into firmness the sense of grief and disappointment empties out into a sort of tenderness of heart depression empties into a sense of letting go so whenever you encounter these things like depression or sadness and so forth and you think Oh, well that 's that's that 's what I am well that 's a state i 'm in. Just keep remembering this too is impermanent how how what is it that makes it permanent what is it that 's keeping it still what e- what is it that keeps you in that because you recognize even something like depression is is kind of circulating, circulating coming up bringing up thoughts bringing up thoughts that encourage it uh, Take remembering dead end scenarios, taking you into cul de sacs, taking you into areas where the no goes. It keeps having to regenerate itself. It keeps having to find some kind of sensation or thought or memory or create one. You know, oh well, it's the way it is. It will never change. Or people like that. You know, you, these are the kind of um, ideolo- ideological statements of depression. And those are the things that hold it, that, that keep it sustained. So if we take impermanence very radically, it's, it's to begin to approach those very structures, those very ideologies and attitudes that seemingly hold things in place. Listening to the, the, you know, the voice that says, oh, it can't be another way, or this is the way I always am and hold on. what's that? You know, that too is changing, impermanent. The need to have some other thought, some positive thought. You know, the feeling one needs to be inspired to have something positive. That too is a changing energy. This is kind of very, very radical uh, penetration. in uh, the uh, Buddha's analysis he presents it as the experience first level of experience is sometimes called Viveka which means a sense of perspective settling back seeing things in perspective Um, the realization of impermanence Viraga where we are no longer emotionally getting stoked up uh, throwing more emotional fuel onto the fire, you know, believing in it, but it 's still there, but we 're not adding more fuel to the fire, mm. so there's a sense of just cooling, dispassion, uh, kind of an allowing around uh, around the feelings and the moods that come up. niroda a sense of s- stopping. Which means that we, through the dispassion, where you you begin to, what begins to stop are those those um, strategies that normally distract us or take us away. You become more dispassionate towards the 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 sadness or the depression or the anger. You don't really mind. You're not really um, trying to get rid of it or add to it um, or blame it on anybody then the, the, the strategies of distraction or blaming or worrying stop. Yeah. So it's, those are the first things that stop, the things that take you away from the, the, the experience, the, the things that normally your mind goes to in order to take you away from the awkwardness of that. And it's through that stopping that the fundamental turbulence is released, and it finds its own level, and it begins to settle by itself. And from that sense of settling, you get the final realization is called sometimes patinitsaga or votsaga, means a complete relinquishment, which is relinquishment of those habits, those habitual tendencies, that take us away from that place, the place of resolution. relinquishment of the karma relinquishment of the personal um, attitudes the ways I behave because we see that it's not that they're bad though they are bad but even more than that they're actually irrelevant they're no no longer necessary because we found another way to resolve and meet the turbulence of life than these reactions, which are kind of failed attempts to, to get us away from the edge. We found another place to meet the edge, which is to drop through it. This is uh, relinquishment, in that the reactions are relinquished. The belief in reactions, is the, the compulsion towards the reactions is released, and the very sense of the self who does it all, is also released. This is this is called giving up, complete giving up. But in so this is um, themes to uh, cultivate. Mm, you know, these are the insight. These are the wisdom themes. These are the, these are the realization themes that you can practice or come apparent when you're just staying with. Um, the experience that you're having, restraining yourself through meditation, through careful speech and action, so that you're not just letting everything flow out, you're holding it carefully, and then it begins, you begin to come to this uncomfortable territory, and that's, but that, remember, that is the place, that's the edge, that's the place of of liberation.